Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are all. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew and I'm here with George and Joe. George, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty damn good, if I say so myself, George. Got a nice weekend coming up. Gonna hang out chill do some sightseeing it's gonna be a good time joe how about you doing pretty good had a pretty good day did a lot of stuff around the house but other than that let's get to the show yeah man uh drew just be careful when you're out there don't forget to uh wrap it up and by that i mean your face mask you know agreed some of today's featured topics include who won the blockbuster trade between the Houston Rockets and the Washington Wizards? Will the Los Angeles Lakers be able to defend their title by repeating after the offseason they had? And is Tom Brady to blame for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' recent struggles? Let's dive headfirst into it here on <clears throat> Highly Contested. Let's start with the NBA. On Wednesday evening, we saw the results of a trade that broke news everywhere in the NBA. Star point guard Russell Westbrook was traded from the Houston Rockets to the Washington Wizards for star point guard John Wall and a first-round pick. So, George, who won this blockbuster trade between the Rockets and the Wizards? Yeah, I'm going to say that the Wizards definitely won this trade. The contracts are pretty identical, so you could consider that a wash if you're just looking at the money part. But the Wizards, they're getting Westbrook, who is a player that was a league MVP, a player that can basically do everything at an elite level except maybe shoot the ball. But everything else he does, elite, rebound, play make, assist, uh, plays defense, all that. And uh, he'll be able to create open shots for that Wizards team. Because he creates those double teams. You know, Westbrook, he's been to the playoff 10 times compared to John Wall, who's only been in the playoff four times. And let's also remember that when Kevin Durant left OKC, Westbrook was able to carry that team to the sixth seed and then the fourth seed in the playoffs. So now he's in the Eastern Conference and he'll have that same effect on that team. They now become a playoff team. So they'll be able to. So they won this trade because you know the Wizards haven't been in the playoffs the last few seasons. Now they become a playoff caliber team if everyone's healthy. Uh, the Rockets they're receiving a point guard who hasn't played in two years, who also needs the ball in his hands and also isn't a great shooter. So if we look at Westbrook and Wall, a lot of their stats are kind of the same when we look at like shooting percentages and stuff. So it's not like the Rockets are getting some elite shooter to pair up with Harden. They're getting someone who doesn't shoot the ball either, needs the ball in his hands, and how's he going to play alongside James Harden? I I don't see that happening. John Wall, he's been shooting 32% from three-point in his career, and you know that's probably going to drop this upcoming season. And like I already kind of said, Russ, he was able to demand those double teams when he was on that Rockets team, kick out to open shooters. I don't think John Wall is going to be able to do that. Wall relied heavy on his explosiveness. And, you know, that's to be questioned if we'll ever see that from him again coming back from those injuries. Um, You know, I took a look at some players with similar injuries that John Wall had and how it negatively impacted them after. So we look at Kobe Bryant. He averaged 27.3 points per game on 46.3% shooting in the season in which he tore his Achilles. Then he averaged 18 points, 0.9, on 36.6% shooting after his Achilles. We look at Brandon Jennings. He averaged 16.6 points per game on 39% shooting. And then after he tore his Achilles, he averaged 6.9 points on 36.3% shooting after that. 
Chauncey Billups averaged 15 points per game on 36.4% shooting in the season where he tore his Achilles. And then after that, he only averaged 6.2 points per game on 36% shooting. So we see a lot of drop-offs, you know, with other players with similar injuries. So I don't think Rockets, you know, got a really good deal here. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I agree. The Wizards did win that trade. Um, because they, the um, Wizards, now they have a proven player, uh, that has played at a high level in his career and is in my eyes, a way better player than wall wall has been injury prone for recent seasons and his stats have dropped and his, and his play has dropped as well because of his injuries. But with Westbrook in the picture now, he has gone to a team that needed a star to pair up with Porter. And now that they have one in Westbrook, I could see them um, competing for a seed in the playoffs, probably mid to low seed. And with uh, the John Wall to the Rockets, I hope something something could change over there. He could uh, resurrect his career, and ho- and he's going to play alongside a player that ha- that that everyone's focused on him, not on Wall. neither side won this trade let's be real this isn't the type of trade that you declare a winner and it's head and shoulders obvious that they were the winner anytime you trade for a star you have to ask yourself one thing did that trade make your team a contender so these teams traded stars did this move make either of their teams a contender and the answer is no neither of these teams will contend for a title so this is a This is one of those trades where neither side really won. But if I had to choose one team that did win, I'd say it's the Rockets. And here's why. If you look at both situations, their contracts are very similar, just like George alluded to. Both are slated to make $41 million this year, with Westbrook scheduled to make about $100,000 more. Not significant when you compare it to the fact that they're both making $41 million. They're both point guards. They both like to play with the ball in their hands. Both players have a very similar play style. They're slashers with the ability to pass the ball. If I were to compare their slashing styles, I'd say Westbrook is more like Thunder, while Wall is more like Lightning. Westbrook is more explosive, while Wall is just the quickest. I mean, you blink and he's gone. So if we're going to try to find a trade winner, we have to really get nitpicky with each player. Wall has averaged more assists per game in his career, 9.2 versus 8.3 for Westbrook. So Wall is more true to the position of point guard than Westbrook is. Westbrook is more of an attacker offensively than Wall is, scoring 23 points per game his career, while Wall scored 19 points per game his career. So yeah, Westbrook's better as far as scoring goes. Wall is a slightly better three-point shooter than Westbrook, 32% versus 30 for Westbrook. And George, you said that Wall's shooting will probably drop. But we've seen time and time again, players with significant injuries tend to come back as better shooters because that's all they can do when they're rehabbing is shoot. So you also mentioned that Kobe and Chauncey Billups, who suffered Achilles injuries, both of them suffered those Achilles injuries when they were when they were 34 and 35, Kobe being 34 and Chauncey Billups being 35, respectfully. The time their time was already beginning to come to an end, and the injuries were just accelerants in making that happen more quickly. So going back to basically comparing the two, Wall is a better defender. But Westbrook has gotten more rebounds in his career. So, you know, if you want to compare, if you want, if you want to compare those two stats, neither of those stats are really what their position calls for, but hey. They're nice little cherries on the top for both of them. So they both have their strengths and weaknesses that average out. So like I said, we have to get nitpicky. And George, you said that Westbrook basically can do it all at an elite level. Want to know the one thing he can't do at an elite level? Win. Let's look at their playoff results. Wall has achieved more with less. So let's look at the time when KD left the Oklahoma City Thunder Westbrook, Westbrook, not his first year, but the following two years when he was there, he had Paul George at his side. Wall has had Bradley Beal by his side. During both the stints of Paul George and of, of John Wall and Russell Westbrook when they were both in the playoffs with those respective players, 
Paul George outperformed Bradley Beal in the in their respective playoff matchups. So it came down to the stars of the team, which were John Wall and Russell Westbrook. And in their playoff matchups, John Wall has achieved more in his playoffs than Russell Westbrook has. John Wall has gone past the first round three different times. Two of those times, he was the underdog. His team was. They were the lower seed playing the higher seed. So two of those times that he moved on to the second round, they were not expected to win that series, and they did because of John Wall's ability to just win. Russell Westbrook, he's been in the playoffs. Well, I mean, he's been he's been in the playoffs a lot of times, but if we look at his stint with Oklahoma City Thunder while he had Paul George as a teammate, he could never get past the first round. The first time that he, he was with Paul George, they lost to the Utah Jazz in six games in round one. Then they lost to Dame Lillard in five games. And we all know that was, you know, that was the time when Russell had his beef with Lillard and they were going back and forth. Clearly, Lillard won that battle. So if we're comparing the two players, we have to really get nitpicky. And the one thing I'll say is John Wall is a proven and better winner than Russell Westbrook. Not to mention, you got that first round pick the Rockets did out of that deal. So who won this trade? My opinion, Houston Rockets. Yeah, so I'm going to go against that. So this is why the Wizards also won. You know, you brought up the fact that neither team may be a contender right now. And that's true. None of them are probably going to contend for a championship at this moment as they're constructed right now. But let's also keep this in mind. The Wizards, they're trying to keep Bradley Beal on the team. The Rockets, they're trying to keep James Harden on the team. So which move will keep which other player on the team more likely? So I'd say, you know, adding Westbrook to the Wizards is going to entice Bradley Beal to stay longer than John Wall joining the Rockets. I don't think that helps James Harden at all. I still think he's going to want out of that place. And, you know, you brought up a good point right there when he had uh, Paul George. But let's remember, when Paul George went to OKC, Russ was able to be such a great teammate and help him out that Paul George was in the MVP talks. So, you know, you add Westbrook with Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, he's going to flourish. He's one of those guys that always seems to be, you know, left out of like those all-star games or votes and all that. You know, Westbrook is going to bring the best out of him. He's going to let him be Bradley Beal and score at a high clip efficiently because that's what Bradley Beal does. He's great off the ball. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. So Westbrook, he's going to be a great playmaker there. We've seen him be a great teammate. He makes people better. John Wall had Bradley Beal all this time and never helped his game up. We saw Bradley Beal get better when John Wall was out. Um, And, you know, you bring up the fact that Westbrook, you're claiming he's not a winner, but I see the opposite. So Westbrook, he's been to the NBA Finals. He's been to the Western Conference Finals. You know, and then on top of that, he's, you know, been, I already mentioned that when uh, Kevin Durant left, he was able to bring that OKC team to the sixth seed, the fourth seed in the heavy loaded Western Conference Finals. You know, we haven't seen John Wall carry a team like that. So I'd much rather have Westbrook. You know, he's a former MVP. He's been in the MVP conversations five different times, whereas Wall has never been in that conversation for MVP. Yeah, all those things you mentioned still have, you know, just the one thing that I would say is you're making a lot of generalizations. You're talking about, oh, Russell Westbrook will elevate Bradley Beal's game. First of all, there's no guarantee that that will happen. In fact, there's many people that actually believe the opposite. There's maybe there's many people that actually believe that Russell Westbrook will actually hinder Bradley Beal's game. So you can't make that you can't make that assumption and claim it to be fact because well, we haven't we, seen it. We have seen it. I just said with Paul George. We have not seen it with Bradley Beal, though. So you can't make that assumption and claim it's fact. We have a track record with Westbrook and his former teammates, and he elevates their games. 
a track record of what? Making his teammates better. You mentioned okay, so you mentioned we, we Paul haven't George. seen John Wall make so anyone better. You mentioned Paul George. How come they could never get past the first round then? It's Paul George. We've we've seen him choke in the playoffs many times, oh, and he really? also had injuries. Yeah, we've seen it this year with the or this last season know, with the Clippers. Want to know Paul think? George's stats during that time? Let me tell you his stats during that time. Okay, got him right here for you. So Paul George during that time at Oklahoma City, he averaged twenty five points per game, six rebounds per game, and. In his following year with Oklahoma City, he averaged 28.6 points per game and 8.6 rebounds per game. You like those numbers? I like those numbers for a second for a second star. I like those numbers for sure. So how come they couldn't get it done? Well, I told you, we, we've seen Paul George's track record. He, in the playoffs, he is not playoff P. He is the opposite of playoff P. Those numbers that I gave you were in the playoffs. They were in, they were in the series where they lost in the first round both years. Okay, well, tell me, when has Paul George ever been in the MVP talks besides when Russ was able to elevate his We're game? not talking about that. We're talking about winning in the playoffs. That's what I'm talking about, at least. Yeah, and I'm over here talking about Russ has the ability to make his teammates better, and that's why this is better because the, the Washington Wizards are trying to keep Bradley Beal. How do you keep him? Your team gets better. You make your players better and Russ has that effect. He has that ability to elevate players games. As I mentioned, there's no guarantee that that would be the case for Bradley Beal because we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, but we've seen him with other great players and they're able to be great together. So, you know, we look at the track record, the resume, he's able to do it. I don't see why he wouldn't be able to do it here. Because he won't be able to do it in an elite level to allow them to win. And that's why, that's why they don't win this trade because the whole purpose, as I mentioned, the whole purpose is you're trying to figure out a way to win. If you're adding a star to your team and this does not help them win because Russ cannot win at an elite level. Okay. So you're, you're saying they're not going to win games. So you're going to say that they're not making playoffs. They might make playoffs. They might make seventh, eighth seed. They're going to they're going to lose in the first round if anything. Okay. The Washington Wizards who have not been in the playoffs will now be in the playoffs if healthy. Whereas the Rockets who were accustomed to being what top 2, top 4 seed in the in the West, they're not going to be there anymore. John Wall isn't going to make them better. Well, if Harden leaves, then yeah, of course that's going to happen. If Harden decides to actually stay and he decides to commit to being better, I think it's going to be. I think that they're going to actually do pretty well together. Uh, what well, what would make you say that? The fact that John Wall is a better, just pure point guard than Russell Westbrook is, as I mentioned, because like I mentioned, John Wall is more of a. He's more of a point guard where he is the he's the he's more of a pass first point guard as opposed to Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is more attack first. Yeah, see that's not true because Westbrook has led the league in assist. He so has averaged, John Wall. He has not led the league in assist. Absolutely he has. You want me to tell when, you when? Yeah, tell me when. So John Wall in the years I'll tell you right now. Hold on. See Russell Westbrook he's been the assist leader twice john wall hasn't had any russell westbrook has been the scoring leader twice whereas john wall hasn't had any in those in in those years that he was leading in assists what were his assist totals russell westbrook's um i don't ha i don't have the exact years where he has them okay but... well i'll tell you i'll tell you that john wall has averaged 10.0 assists 10.2 assists and 10.7 so that if it's not first, it's at least second, maybe third. Okay. Well, if we look at their careers, they actually average the same amount, but they both average ten point seven assist. Or no, that that's their best season ever. Best they, season. Yeah, yeah. So in two thousand seventeen, John Wall averaged ten point seven. Two thousand nineteen, mm -hmm. uh, Westbrook had ten point seven. So that that's their best year. But either way, you can't make the claim that Westbrook isn't a great playmaker or he's only a scorer because we've seen him average double digit assists multiple times 
True, so, but here, I'll give um, you this one, though. I'll give you this one. Bradley Beal was allowed to establish his game while John Wall was still there because, because of the fact that John Wall doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands all the time like Westbrook does. What are you talking about? John Wall definitely needs the ball in his hands. Really? Yeah. Because uh, Bradley Beal, he scored his his scores were pretty his scores were pretty up there as well. Now I know that he did better when John Wall was out as far as scoring, but he had to because he was the number one option. Yeah, that that's when we seen his game erupt. It wasn't alongside. I mean, we we knew Bradley Beal was nice, but you know the last two seasons when Wall's been out, that's when Bradley Beal has been exploding. I mean, yeah, you can maybe say that, but I will say this. Uh, he wasn't, it's not like his, it's not like his, he, he did really well this past year, uh, scoring 30.5 points per game. But before that, he was, before that, which was the year before, he scored 25.6 per game. So he had an entire year where he didn't play with John Wall and he scored 25.6. He just elevated his game to the next level this, this past year by going, like five points above, which is, I mean, it's incredible. It's great. It's awesome. But it's not like it, it's not like the reason why he elevated his game was because John Wall wasn't there. Well, why couldn't he do it when he was there? Well, I mean, he was what, 23, 24 at the time. It's not like he was, it's not like he was, you know, an established player in his prime at that point. We're seeing, you know, right now he's 26 years old. We're seeing that he's hitting his prime and, you know, he was forced to be the number one option and he's carried that role very well. Yeah. Well, like both of these point guards, I mean, they're point guards, so they both need the ball in their hands. And we've seen now with James Harden, at least multiple point guards that have been there can't work with him because James Harden, he's going to dribble the air out of the ball. And like I mentioned, John Wall, he's not a great shooter himself either. He needs the ball because he's, he's quick, you know, before his injury, he was arguably the fastest person in the nba with the ball in his hands now will he be that anymore after these injuries we don't know because that kind of a injury takes a lot of explosiveness out of you but you know james harden definitely needs the ball in his hands so what what is john wall going to do because he's not going to be able to shoot great and he's not going to have that explosiveness like he used to and westbrook was better at getting to the the rack than uh, John Wall. So I don't see how that's going to work there with them two together. Well, it's not that Westbrook was get it was better at it. It's just that he did it more often. If you look at their efficiency, they actually have the same amount of efficiency. So what that tells you is considering that Westbrook's scored more on average, that just means that he attacked more often than John Wall did. And as I mentioned, John Wall has more assists in his career which is why I was saying that he's more of a pass first. He's more of a, he was more likely to pass first than Russell Westbrook is, but we're going to, let's talk about, let's talk about what you basically said. You talk, you said, okay, is John Wall going to make this Rockets team where they were at before? So where they were at before, they were the number four seed going up against the number five seed in the Oklahoma city thunder. So the objective for the Rockets, if Harden does stay, the objective for the Rockets is to be either at least the number four seed, if not greater. And if Harden does stay, I can see that happening very easily. I, I think that they could make the number three seed. Yeah, I, I don't. I think that the Rockets are going are trending downwards, and the Wizards are going to be trending upwards. Well, like I mentioned, if the Rockets end up trading Harden, then they definitely will trend downwards and he's made it clear already that he doesn't want to stay there so who knows he might even just refuse to play yeah well well the rockets they're not looking to ship him right now but you know and two like westbrook he's been in the west this this whole time until right now wall has been in the east and you know when we look at their all nba first team westbrook has two john wall has zero all NBA uh, total selections. Westbrook has nine. John Wall has one. So you know, Westbrook he's just the better player, and it's not, you know you brought up their efficiency, and you're trying to make the claim that Wall he's more of a pass first. When in reality they pass the same. 
you know, when we look at their stats and stuff, they're, they're, they're pretty identical. It's just Westbrook is a better scorer. He attacks more. He gets there. He creates those double teams because teams fear him driving to the basket. You have to account for that. John Wall, I, I'm not trying to say he was, he was bad at it, but he wasn't on that Westbrook level. He didn't demand a double team. So, and we see the Wizards team. They, they got some shooters on there. Westbrook, he's going to be able to, you know, attack, dish out. Bradley Beal's going to feast. Those other shooters on that team, they're going to have open shots, and they're going to be trending up. Well, we'll just have to see. They might they might do the same. Uh, teams might do the same exact thing that the Lakers did to the Rockets. Because remember, the Rockets had great shooters too. So they might do the exact same thing what they did to the Rockets, uh, to the Wizards. They'll just step away from hard they'll step away from Westbrook at the three-point line and just dare him to shoot and they'll just cover every other player. We'll just have to wait and see. As I mentioned, he's not he he can't win at an elite level. The only times we've ever seen him win at an elite level was when Durant was on his team. Yeah, but we we also got to remember the West was super loaded. I mean 1 through 10 basically were all great and if we looked at like two or the three c to like the 10 c they were all separated by two games so it's not like you know you're not going to talk bad on damian lillard because you you like that guy you know he's a great guy so you he loses to him okay yeah you want to see westbrook come out of there but we we look at the games and people want to you know say oh well he had kevin durant or you know let, let's take those games away like why are we taking those games away keep them there he's been to the finals he's been to the western conference finals he has way more playoff experience than john wall well the so, reason why we take those oh, away he's, he's, he's one more than john wall the reason why we take those away is because kevin durant was head and shoulders the better player on that team well it's like okay well let's take away kevin durant's games with westbrook and with uh curry and clay what what has he done well that's not fair you can't just take away the games where he had good teammates on his team he still went out there and, and played i mean kevin durant every team he's been on he's been the best player yeah but i'm, I'm saying you you do this with anyone you know and and you know you want to throw that in i want to know how many players you take away okay let's say you take away the best player what can that second player can, can they put the team on their back and take them to a new level? Because we saw Westbrook do that. What new uh, what new level is what I'm asking. But we'll go ahead and switch to the next topic. We're going to keep it in the NBA. Many moves have been made this offseason, but none of the moves have been as significant as the moves the Los Angeles Lakers have made. Signing and trading for Dennis Schroeder, Marcus Saul, Wesley Matthews, and the biggest of them all, Montrez Harrell. Therefore, George, the question on everybody's mind is, will the Lakers be able to defend their title by repeating? Yeah, right now they're positioning themselves to repeat again. Going into the season, they are the favorites with good reason. They had an incredible offseason. You know, they got all those players you just mentioned. So they got deeper. They got better on defense. And then they just locked up LeBron and Anthony Davis. They both just got their contracts. So, you know, this team is set to be the favorites and you know obviously barring any injury then they they should be up there they got the six man of the year with Montrez Harrell the runner-up with Dennis Schroeder who could score on anyone they got Wesley Matthews who's a great three and D player Marcus Saul uh, you know like I said this makes them way deeper than they were last year and not not just did they get better but I didn't see any other team that was a contender last season make any moves to imp- improve themselves. So, you know, we see the Nuggets, for example. Uh, they didn't sign anyone that really made noise. They actually lost Jeremy Grant. You know, the Warriors, which a lot of people were looking forward to, they lost Clay Thompson due to injury. The Rockets right now, you know, we just talked about John Wall. We talked about Boogie coming last season. Like, those are players we like. But they're coming off serious injuries, haven't played in the last few seasons. So what is the bar for some of those players? <clears throat> you know, the Clippers, they underperformed last year. They lost Montrez Harrell. They did get Serge Ibaka, but, you know, a lot of, and they got a new coach system there. So, you know, a lot of question marks with the teams that could have contended. 
you know, they didn't really make noise this offseason compared to the Lakers. It seemed like they made every big move. So for that, you know, I got them as of right now, favorites to repeat and hold that championship. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I'm about to agree with agree with you about the Lakers situation. Since now they got they locked up 80 for five years, 190 million, and uh, LeBron's contract extension for two two years. Like, what was it like 80 something million, George? You know, 85 million. Yeah, 85, 85 million. So yeah, I see them getting high 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 in the playoffs but George you did mention some teams that you said you think they didn't make any big moves but the warriors made a big move because they they lost a Clay Thompson so they needed someone to fill the option and they got Kelly Oubre that's I was one of the guys that people were eyeing all around the league to get and the warriors traded it for him and that's going to be a a solid, solid option to uh, to replace Clay until Clay's injury is fully healed, and that Warriors team is gonna be is gonna be in the playoffs next year. I don't know. I, I rank them as of right now. I say probably about like a third, uh, fourth or fifth seed. I I need to see how they all play together, but as of right now, from what I'm looking, fourth to fifth seed. But the Lakers are dangerous right now. Because of their, because they got so many options, they got depth in the bench, and that's gonna be that's gonna be a really good team. But there are teams out there that are gunning for them, and they're coming with the heat. So the Lakers have a huge, huge target on their back. So. I, I'm just going to be short and sweet because, George, I think you pretty much hit all my points on the head. Um, what I'm thinking is, so the question is, will they be able to defend their title by repeating? Without a doubt, they'll be able to. Barring, like you said, barring ma- uh, any major injury to either LeBron or AD, I'd, I'd be a little bit more worried about LeBron getting injured than AD, but, you know, of course, it both of those should both of those should be healthy for a legit title run. And if they are healthy, it's very likely a done deal. You're talking about the, you know, you're talking about the reigning sixth man of the year and reigning runner up for sixth man of the year, both signed on the same team. You got Dennis Schroeder, the runner up. He's a valuable point guard, averaging 19 points per game and shooting 38.5% from three. He's going to be able to handle the offense pretty well when LeBron goes to the bench. And then you have Montrez Harrell along with, with Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, and Mark Gasol. They're going to be a valuable second unit coming off the bench. If this bench can gel, then the Lakers might end up with the best bench in basketball. And if you give LeBron the best bench in basketball, it's just it's a done deal. Might as well just give him the ring now if that does happen. Yeah, uh, agree with you. Uh, they, they got arguably probably one of the best duos in basketball right now, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And, you know, they just got all – speaking for Anthony Davis, he just got all that championship experience, you know, something he hasn't been able to do prior to this last season. So he's going to feel more confident going into the season because a lot of that pressure has now been lifted off him since he did win the championship. So I, I feel like Anthony Davis, we're going to see a new version of him. He's just going to go out there unleash. Like I said, hopefully everyone can stay healthy, but if I had to name their biggest, you know, contenders to you know stop them from repeating it would be on the east and that would be the nets but we still got to see how they would gel because we've seen that before too where you know people they they build this super team or they you know they team up with other great players and it takes a season you know to work everything out but you know the nets are probably going to be their biggest threat if they can come out of the east and we still got to see what kd looks like when he comes back you know, Kyrie, he's always got these little injuries going on. So we'll see what they can do. They got Steve Nash. But yeah, for the most part, I don't really see anyone contending with them as of now. You know, unless someone makes a big trade before the trade deadline or something like that. But as of right now, when we're talking, yeah, I think the Lakers are the favorites. Yeah, um, the one player I really like that the Lakers got 
is that trader coming from from the Clippers, uh, Montrez Harrell. That was a really good pickup. Oh yeah, that that was a steal right there from the uh, the basement. Yeah, it was it was a great move, and to be honest, I was really expecting the the Clippers to kind of pull a reversal and sign Rondo. I really was, but then you know, of course, Rondo signs with the Hawks, and so that you know that ship has sailed for the Clippers, in my opinion. I I I don't see the Clippers as a threat. I know that they signed Ibaka, but. Ibaka, he's, you know, he's not, I don't feel like he's the player he once was. Um, He, I think he's starting to go on the decline. His shooting has improved actually, which is kind of odd, but um, you know, that's, that's the only thing I would say that has gotten better as he's aged. Overall, I feel like he's, you know, just declined more and more each year though. You talked about the Nuggets. They lost Jeremy Grant. That was a huge piece. Jeremy Grant was the primary defender on LeBron James, and he did a very good job on LeBron James, in my opinion. And, you know, you lost Jeremy Grant. So, I, you know, yeah, you can throw Michael Porter Jr. in there, and I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to contribute a lot more offensively. But who's going to defend? Who's going to defend LeBron? LeBron's going to have much more free reign now that Jeremy Grant isn't defending him if they if they do end up in a series with the Lakers again, the Nuggets, uh, the Jazz. I know that they're getting you know Bogdanovich back, so I wouldn't count. I wouldn't count them out per se because we've seen how much of a beast Donovan Mitchell could be. Imagine if he has his second scoring mate with him. We'll you know we'll just have to see how that goes. And if you're talking about over on the East, George, you you know you hit the nail on the head. The thing about you know when you're forming these like teams with all these like star players, it's one of those things where everybody just thinks about it on paper. And that they don't take other things into consideration. You know, that's what that's what we all thought about the Clippers a year ago. We all looked at the Clippers roster and said, on paper, this is the best roster in basketball. But we didn't think about, you know, little things like locker room presence and the ability to develop chemistry. We didn't think about little things like that. And those ended up becoming the undoing of the Clippers. We saw that Kawhi and Paul George came in and they were like, they pretty much came in from the outside to a blue collar team. And my, they were pretty much a blue collar team before that. And they came in, you know, like acting like they were white collar and like they owned the place and it didn't sit well with a lot of the players. You could tell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely that that's why Montrez is out, but I'm not, I'm not going to be in that we category that you said that thought the Clippers were the best team last year, because I definitely was not on that. I had the Lakers as the best, uh, so I'm I'm not on that boat of last year where I thought the Clippers were the best. Well, I mean, on paper they were the best, but the one thing that the like I said, the one thing that they didn't have is they didn't have LeBron James on their team. So, um if we're looking at the if we're looking at the Nets roster though, going back to what I was indicating, if we're looking at the Nets roster, I mean, on paper, yes, it looks like a great roster, but are the young guns of the Nets going to appreciate the fact that these, you know, these veterans are coming in there and kind of running the show? I'm not sure if they'll, you know, if they'll appreciate that. And we know Kyrie, we know how much of a, you know, a locker, we, we know what his locker room presence is like. We know his injury history. Is that going to be, you know, is that going to be a factor that ends up being the demise of this team? when we talk about this team here in the coming months leading up to the summer, it's, you know, these are all, these are all things that people aren't really looking at that, you know, we should be questioning hundred percent. So as of right now, Lakers head and shoulders, the clear favorites to repeat. Yep. I agree with that. Uh, We'll have to see later on in the season, but they'll get, they'll get up there in the playoffs. We're going to move to the NFL now. The Pittsburgh Steelers won their game this Wednesday, defeating their division rivals, the Baltimore Ravens, and improving to 11-0 for the season. Despite the victory, Mike Tomlin was furious during the press conference, stating that pretty much the entire performance was unacceptable. So, George, should there be worry for the Steelers after their performance against the Ravens? Um. Yeah, after a performance like that, I'd, I'd be a little worried, but I do think they can turn it around. But, you know, they, they did look beatable. And as long as Big Ben 
is there. We, we've seen him in his career. You know, he's been great, but we've also seen stretches of Big Ben where he does turn the ball over a lot. And that's not going to be a recipe for success going into the playoffs if he has a game where he does turn that ball over a lot or plays sloppy, especially against a team like the Chiefs who can take advantage of moments like that. So I definitely think that they looked beatable this game. And, you know, they they got some injuries on there. Someone, uh, I forget his name, but I think he tore his ACL on that defensive line, I believe. Uh, so their defense seems to be trending downwards. So I'd be a little worried about them. They were one and four in the red zone. Big Ben threw an interception. Um, so they, they definitely need to clean up a little bit there going forward. You know, they still have an easy schedule coming. So they, they might remain undefeated for the rest of the season. But going into the playoffs, I think teams will be able to look at this game and see some of their flaws and take advantage possibly in the playoffs. But we'll see. Joe, what are your thoughts on the Steelers? I'm not worried at all by it. This is what happens when a team that gets screwed over the whole week that the team was told they'll play on a Thursday game, then gets postponed to Sunday because of the uh, because of the Ravens' COVID situation, and then gets postponed again to Wednesday. And now you have to play on a short week to play on Monday. So it's what they, they're getting so close to um, playing, and then all of a sudden, bam, oh, wait, we got postponed again. This is the second time that the Steelers got screwed on a COVID situation, and I feel for them. It's you, you're trying you're trying to play the game, but it's you keep getting pushed back, and now, uh, on the short week, and then the NFL pushes the Ravens game to a a Tuesday, so the Ravens play the next day and you got to play on a Monday. They should just make both those games on a Tuesday. So they had the same amount of rest because they played the same. Uh, they had to wait the same amount of days, but the NFL needs to fix that. The NFL needs to be fair for all teams that had COVID situation. Like I could go back to the, a couple times that the Raiders, their whole offensive line was out to, due to COVID. They made them play on at the right time. And then a couple, like a week or a couple weeks later, their whole offense was basically out. And but they made them play, but and but the, with the Ravens, oh, we'll push, we'll push it back a couple of days. Oh, well, you know what? You you could play on, you could play on a on a Wednesday. So they need to they need to get that whole situation right. They need to be fair with all the teams with the COVID situation, and they they should they should do something better about it. And like I said. The whole Steeler situation, not to worry about. It's just they're they're trying to play the game, and they had to wait too many days. When you got to st- when you're hot, you got to stay hot. But when you wait a little bit longer than you usually do, you kind of get cold a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Joe, I think you make a fantastic point. You know, when you when you're an, a team, especially an NFL team, where every you know every game is so impactful, you know you're preparing for a Thanksgiving game. It's a Thursday night game. And then you just get thrown a curveball the day before that. No, we're postponing the game until further notice. You have zero idea what's going on. You've been, you know, you've been trying to prepare and then you don't end up prepared. You know, you don't end up prepared. Then, you know, this game gets pushed to the following Wednesday after being, you know, after being postponed multiple times, it gets pushed to the following Wednesday and so now both of these teams, they have to play on the Wednesday and then they have to immediately prepare to play on the, the, the Sunday coming up this coming Sunday. So it, it's a huge curveball being thrown at these players. And again, you know, every game does count, especially for, especially for the Steelers from here on out, because it's not, you know, the Steelers are 11 and 0, but you know, they're wanting that first round buy. So they want to secure it. So they want to win, you know, they want to win these games for sure. So I'm not worried at all. I don't think there should be worry. Everyone, you know, the thing is too, is that, you know, I think a lot of people are downgrading the Steelers for their, you know, for their opponents, for their performances. But I just want to, you know, I just want to talk about the opponents the Steelers have played because the overall record of the Steelers opponents so far this season is actually 
better than the overall record of the Chiefs opponents this season. So if you want to make the argument for the Steelers, you got to make the same argument for the Chiefs as well. And both of those teams have the two best records in football. So I, you know, it, it's one of those things. You got to play the hand that you're dealt because as I mentioned, the Steelers, their combined opponent's record is 33, 47, and two, while the Chiefs combined opponent's record is 33 and 50. So the Chiefs have, the Chiefs opponents have had the same number of wins, but they've had more losses. So their record is not as good as the opponents of the that the Steelers have faced. You play the hand, you know, you got to play the cards that you're dealt. Both teams have played the cards that they've been dealt and they've, you know, and they've got the two best records in the NFL. Sue them. I mean, they, they, that's the only thing you can do and you're not going to win. So, uh, you know, they're, they, they have proven that they are the two best teams in the NFL with their, not only with their records, but with the fact that they continue finding ways to win, even when things aren't going that great for them. So, you know, they're, they're both having sluggish games that most NFL teams would lose because it just, you know, it just wasn't their day. It's, you know, bad day at the office yet the Steelers and the chiefs, despite their struggles, they're both, they're both finding ways to win those football games, but sticking with the Steelers. One last thing I'll say is Mike Tomlin. I swear, man, I can't get enough of this guy. I wish he was the coach of my Jaguars because I would love to have his fire and his will to win on our team. He is more and more becoming my favorite NFL coach of all time. He's the type of player that he would never accept in a win what he would despise in a loss. Basically, he knows this team scraped by that win, which is why he was so heated during that press conference, because he understands that this is unacceptable. You can't play as poorly as they do, even though they're 11-0. Even though they've won every single game so far, he knows we cannot continue to play as poorly as we did on that Wednesday night football game. Or Wednesday, actually I should say Wednesday mid-afternoon football game. Joe, do you have something to say? Yeah, um, plus, I was going to say, this, this. like I said, this is their second time getting screwed by the NFL because the first time was with the Titans. They had to postpone that game, and they made the Steelers get a week four bye. Correct. They're, they're, we, I, I don't know what their, their original bye was, but week four, that's, that's pretty early on in the season to get a bye. So the, I, they're feeling. I know they're feeling some type of fatigue because all these, all these games right after. But I, they're going to pick it up. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I, I believe they can pick it up for sure. We're going to keep it in the NFL. Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians has criticized Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady repeatedly this season during their losses, openly during press conferences. After losing this Sunday to the Chiefs, the Buccaneers are now 7-5. and five. So, George, is Tom Brady to blame for the Buccaneers' recent struggles? No, I'm not going to say that Tom Brady's to blame for their issues You know, this entire season. Yeah, he's to blame in maybe a game here, a game there. Um, like I'm, I've mentioned in some of these podcasts, but if we're looking at the whole, the whole pie, right, not just a slice, then no, I'm not going to put most of the blame on him. I'm actually going to put it on Bruce Arians. Because he hasn't been able to put his players in the best position to succeed. This Bucks team has has had high expectations going into the season because of the weapons they have and then also bringing in Tom Brady. But, you know, a lot of people assumed that Bruce uh, Arians would coach his team with the strengths that they had, like other great coaches, like we've seen, you know, Tomlin, Coach Belichick. You know, it doesn't matter who's on their team. They adapt to the times and the players that they have to put their players in positions to succeed. And Bruce Arians, he hasn't really been doing that with this team. You know, this is the old Bruce system where it's take deep shots downfield. They only ran the ball five times against the Chiefs. They only ran play action five times where Tom Brady was able to go four for five for 83 yards and a touchdown. Meanwhile, in that same game, Patrick Mahomes ran play action 17 times. So... A part of the coach's job is to evaluate his players, his team, and put the right system in play for the players that he has so that they succeed. And right now, 
it seems like he's trying to put a square peg in a circle and it's just not working out for them. So with that being said, I can't put all the blame on Tom. Joe, who you put in the blame on? Let's see. I would I would only blame Tom if he was actually calling the plays. So I would put the blame on the coaches. The coaches are the coaches like the coaches are saying Tom Brady's calling the uh, plays, but I doubt it. He this is a new system. So I I guarantee Bruce Ar- Bruce Arians or Brian Leftwich is calling the plays. So because like I said, it's a new system. He has to. St- he's still, still, still learning. You got to. It's you got to teach a dog new tricks sometimes. So, and I could only see the way that Tom Brady does call the call his plays is in the two minute drill and in, in the second in the in the two minutes left in the second quarter or in the fourth quarter when you got to move downfield. But Bruce Arians and Brian Le- Leverage, they got to run the ball and they got to run some play action. You got to establish the run. So you could get uh, players open downfield when you uh, later on in the game when you do play action or just do those um, do this, do some routes down the field. But all in all, blame the coaches, not Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm about half and half. I I say half of the blame goes to Tom and half of the blame goes to the coaches. Uh, you guys make some great points. The coaches they need to do a better job. They need to you know run the ball more. I mean this this Buccaneers team is this Buccaneers team set a, set a record for lowest number of rushes in a game versus the Saints. What was it like four four rushes something like that? So um, they need to do a better job of, you know, balancing the offense because it just it really seems like the only thing that Bruce Arians wants to do is just throw the ball deep, throw the ball deep, throw the ball deep every time. He wants to just throw the ball downfield. And that's not going to work every single play. I mean, let's just be real. You know, uh Tom Brady, he's made he's made a career and a very very prestigious, very very decorated career of you know nickeling and diming his opponents where he's you know doing well with the short to mid range to and you know occasionally does have that deep throw ability so the deep throw it's it's nice it should not be your primary go-to option and bruce arians has you know made a, a strong effort to make it their primary go-to option and I think it's a big reason why they're seven and five right now, as opposed to having a better record and in control of their division. Because let's be real, at one point this team was at one point this team was six and two, and they were they were gelling really nicely, and they had that big loss to the Saints, and they beat the Panthers the following week, but then they have two more losses the the next week. So ever since ever since they were six and two, they were one and three. Uh, clearly, they have not looked like the football team that they did. In the be you know in the beginning middle the beginning to middle of the season, so in my in my opinion though Tom Brady is to blame for is to blame for half of it because yes it's not his style but at the end of the day it's at the end of the day it's still Tom Brady out there throwing those interceptions it's still Tom Brady out there not taking care of the ball as much as he should. That was the biggest thing. That was the biggest thing when they, you know, made the transition from Jameis to Tom Brady was that, oh, Tom Brady's going to take much better care of the football when, you know, it's, I mean, he's not doing as many turnovers as Jameis was, but it's not like he's significantly better either. I mean, he's still tossing turnovers here and there. So uh, whether it's, you know, by interceptions or, you know, by fumbling the ball. So he he is definitely he definitely has a big piece of the pie when it comes to you know the blame pie but i think that the coaches have just as big of a piece too this is for me this is about 50 50 between the two yeah and i mean i'd say probably more 60 40 coaches versus tom but you know i'm like i'm not saying you know abandon the the deep throw you still got to do it to put the defense you know at bay make them respect you but you know you still got to run the ball you still got to do some play action you still got to mix it up you know go look at some old tom brady film see what bill belichick did with him and put that into your system 
Uh, we saw when Peyton Manning went to the Broncos, he basically brought his entire system to that Broncos team. You know, and I'm not saying, you know, let Tom Brady decide maybe 100% of everything, but definitely bring what he does great, you know. Don't don't just abandon everything he's done for the last 20 years, you know. Let him do what he does great and then maybe sprinkle in your own to it. But yeah, so definitely putting more blame on the coaching versus Tom. Yeah, one of my, you know, a very wise person actually once told me, uh, the mark of a great teacher is adjusting to your students' needs. And you can make the same, you know, you can make the same case for coaching. The mark of a good coach is to adjust to your players' needs. And right now, Bruce Arians isn't being a good coach. He's not, he's not being a great coach either. You know, Bill Belichick, we've seen that he has tried, you know, he has attempted to make the transition from uh from having Tom Brady at quarterback who is not nearly as mobile uh who is a very accurate thrower to now he's made the transition to having a very mobile quarterback who's not nearly as accurate as what Tom Brady was. So he was able to make, you know, he was able to make the adjustment and you know make make that Patriots team a, a primary rushing team as opposed to before they were primarily a throwing team. So like I said, you know, Bruce Arians, he needs to adjust and he's not doing it. Yeah. And if you look at um, Bruce Arians' past coaching jobs from his interim head coaching job with the Colts and his head coaching job as at the Cardinals, now the Bucks with the Colts, his uh, his QB was Andrew Luck. Uh, he's kind of mobile. He can move around in the pocket when he needs to, but he's not, he's not a Cam Newton. And for the, with the Cardinals, uh, it's. Uh, I think he had Carson Palmer. I think on the Cardinals or something like that. And then now, uh, Tom Brady. So he never he never had a full on mobile mobile quarterback. So he should be used to having QBs uh, sit in the pocket and then throw it out when he needs to. You know. Agreed. All right. It is time now. Since there are no Thursday night game uh, tonight, it is time now for Joe's weekly pickup. Joe, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, Joe. We're just going to start with the the easy one, in my opinion. We're going to go with Jaguars versus Vikings. Yeah, we're going Vikings on that one. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> okay, Drew. You got next season. <laughs> all right next we have the saints versus the falcons who you got joe uh, the the falcons are coming off a re- ridiculous good game against the raiders uh last week but the saints are gonna win all right lions versus bears joe this one was a toss-up but i think the lions are gonna play very well this week mm, they're gonna get the dub huh yep all right, Joe. Browns versus the Titans. Um, I'm I'm gonna say the Titans are gonna win this one. Mm, we'll just have to see. This will be a good test for the Browns, at least. Oh yeah. Bengals versus Dolphins, the game that George and I have a bet on. Joe, who do you think is gonna win this one? Well, unfortunately for George, the Dolphins are gonna win this one. Yeah, we'll just wait and see. Yeah. The Raiders going up against the Jets. Joe, Joe, I'm a psychic right now. I think you're choosing the Raiders. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Colts versus the Texans. Who you got, Joe? You know, I like the Colts this year, so the Colts are going to take this. Yeah, well, they're going to need it if they want to try to take keep that hold. Take yeah, that try to take that division back. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe, we got a good matchup right here. The Rams taking on the Cardinals. This one was a really big toss-up. I was going either way. I was looking at their past game games. Uh, uh, the Cardinals are going to win this one for sure. It's going to be a close game, but it's, the Cardinals are going to win. Interesting, Joe, because the Rams are favored in this. So They are. They are. <laughs> All right. Next, we have the New York Giants taking on the Seattle Seahawks, Joe. Oh, the, uh, I'm going to say the Seahawks, and they just got Josh Gordon back. So, 
Mm, that'll be interesting. Eagles versus Packers, Joe. The Packers actually lost to the Eagles last year. They did, but they won't lose this year. The Packers win. All right. The Patriots versus the Chargers, Joe. Who you got? Sorry to all you Packer fans, but the Chargers are going to get this dub. Chargers getting the dub over the Patriots. All right. And I don't know why this is the Sunday night football matchup, but the Chiefs versus the Broncos, Joe. Let's let's go Chiefs. Yeah. All right. We got a Monday. We got two Monday night football games. We got the Washington football team taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers, Joe. The Washington uh, football team came off a impressive game against the Cowboys, but the Steelers are going to win. Mm. It'll be a good test for the Steelers, too, because that Washington team has the number one pass defense. They do, and it, I really like that pass rush defense. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe, we got the Bills taking on the 49ers. 49ers are looking better and better every week. Yes, they are, but... The Bills are going to get this one. It's going to be a close game, but the Bills are going to overcome. Vegas does have the odds even in this one, Joe. All right. Next on Tuesday night, we have the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, The Ravens are going to win this one. The the Cowboys are the Cowboys right now, but the Ravens are going to win. Well, that is all the time that we have here today on Highly Contested, everyone. Thank you for joining us here. We're going to post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one. Highly contested. 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 Highly contested.